This message is brought to you by ABC Church in Ammonford, West Wales. For more information, please visit our website at www.abclife.org. Um, the last time I spoke, and thank you all, you're all so kind and lovely to me. You know, I get a lot of feedback from you, and uh, you're very, very gracious in your feedback. So thank you very much for your questions and things. Now, the offshoot of what I spoke on last, which was, of course, you know, the supremacy of Christ and his gospel and obedience to him through Philip's um, example in the Bible, Philip and the eunuch. Now, somebody asked, is there going to be um, a follow-up message on how do we do that? How do we respond to the word of God? There is. But in my discussions following the word, it appears that Pastor Phil has that word. So I'm not going to do a follow-up myself because when we were talking, he said, you know, it's amazing you gave that word. I've got this message that is also linked to that word. So I'm not going to do that word is that okay so I've got another word here so what I want us to do today is to just really again sort of focus down on the fact that we are created for connection with our savior we are created for relationship with God we were created by him for him okay that is what we were created for we were created by God for God and out of that comes this glorious relationship that we are allowed to have with him through Christ Jesus our saviour amen and I was just thinking and and this you know this is very famous the Westminster Catechism says this okay man's chief end the question is asked what is man's chief end what is man's chief end which is what's what, what's a man to do what is what is the, what's the deal what are we supposed to be doing and it's this man's chief end is to glorify God and enjoy him forever Amen? Isn't that just summing it up in the most glorious and beautiful way? Man's chief end is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. And I want to ask the question this morning, are you enjoying God? That's what we need to ask ourselves. Are we enjoying God? Are we enjoying time with him? Are we enjoying relationship with him? Are we enjoying being created by him? Are we enjoying everything that comes from relationship with God? We were created to enjoy God. We were created for that. And that is our act of worship. So today, my, my, the title of the message is, I'm not very good with titles, so forgive me. I'm not very pithy, you know, or witty, so I can't come up with a good title. But it is just, I've just called it a living sacrifice. And that is what we are called to be. Our lives are called to be a living sacrifice. And we are discussing this morning, if we would, and for a discussion it is, you know. So later, over a cup of tea, come, let us reason together. Yeah? So, I'm discussing. Russ, I'm no. Russ is looking at me. I'm getting really close to this, aren't I? Do you know what? A million pounds worth of guitar equipment could go up in smoke just from one misplaced heel. <laughs> Should we have a. Go- yeah, oh, he's got an iPad that he will frisbee at me if I'm getting too close to it. Right in the mouth, like I, in the kisser. Right. So, today I'm talking about functional and dysfunctional worship. Is that okay? So, functional means. When something is functional, it has been created for a specific purpose, right? That's what functional means. And it also has a secondary meaning, which means it is useful and practical rather than attractive and beautiful. So functional means it is practical rather than decorative. Now then, see Oxford English Dictionary. Woo! Always check the definitions of words you use. Because we trot words out sometimes, words we think we know the meaning to, and then it comes up to us, we think, wow, 
I did not realize it meant all of that. So today we're going to ask, is our worship of God functional? And also by doing that, we then can recognize and know if our worship is dysfunctional. Dysfunctional basically means you're using it in a way it was not meant to be used. Yes? So there are other meanings. Now we say, we, we use it a lot in work with me. We use a lot of dysfunctional relationships, dysfunctional emotions. Dis if there's a DYS before any word, you know it's not a great thing. Okay, so like dystopia, all of that. You know, it really means that something has happened, as opposed to utopia, we have a dystopia, which means something that was created to be used perfectly has somehow lost its order. Okay, so that's what dysfunctional means. So I'm going to put up, first of all, if we can, is Lee there? Lee, I can't see. Do you know, I can only I navigate Lee by the brightness of her hair. So, and I couldn't see you, Lee. But it's okay, she's there. Can we put up the verse from Hebrews, if that's okay? So this is what Hebrews 13, 15 says. I love the book of Hebrews, right? Through Jesus, therefore, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise, the fruit of lips that pro openly profess his name. Yeah, and do not forget to do good and to share with others, for with such sacrifices God is pleased. Right, can we just leave that up there for now? Can we put up verse 15 for now? This means, okay, a sacrifice of praise. What we're talking about this morning is not just what our worship looks like. It's not just what our songs sound like. It's not just how good a singing voice we've got, although that is amazing and that is part of worship. The word, the name of Jesus and his praise should be continually on our lips as Christians and that is an act of worship. Amen. You see, our praise is our, ex is, is our gratitude, our pouring out of humble gratitude to God, our Lord and Savior, for Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, for rescuing us. Yes, that is what our praise is. It is a constant stream of gratitude. And as that stream of gratitude pours forth from a contrite and grateful and repentant heart, that becomes an act of worship. And worship exalts God to the highest place of honor. There is nobody else who shares that spot with him. He will not share it with anyone. And he's the only one who's allowed. So as our praises, we say, be lifted up in our praise and we exalt thee. It's our praises that exalt God. You can't worship God without praise. You can't praise without worship. If either of those things exist in terms of God in isolation, our worship is dysfunctional. Amen? Right? So if you're going, oh God, I just accept this situation, but I'm not giving you any gratitude or thanks or acknowledging your glory, it's not worship. You with me? So you see, so you can be in a situation where you think you're actually acquiescing to it. To acquiesce means to accept grudgingly. All right? It doesn't just mean you put, you're just putting up with it. So when we're in a position where we're acquiescing to do something, what we're actually saying is, I neither praise nor worship you for this. I'm simply putting up with it. So we can say we're praising and we can say worship your name. But actually, our lives are not exhibiting that in any way because we have put ourselves in a place where we have closed the doors to praise and worship. And it is your life that is a praise and worship. Yes? And God, as we know, inhabits the praises of his people. Yes? Because he desires our worship. As Martin said, it is a freedom that has been afforded us is to, in obedience, worship the Lord our God. Yes? He doesn't demand sacrifices for us from us anymore for the one sacrifice has been made for now and forever through the man Jesus Christ amen. amen right so there's no point in us trying to prove it through slaughtering a lamb at Easter 
Because that doesn't prove anything, does it? Because the sacrifice has been made. What God wants now is our lives poured out for him. So, you know, something like Psalm 51 sums it up perfectly, doesn't it? When David wrote that psalm after being, I have to say, a thoroughly naughty boy with somebody else's wife, we leave it there. That's nothing to discuss on a Sunday morning, is it? For shame. For shame, King David. But, you know, after that, to check if our worship is functional or dysfunctional, we first of all need to do a worship health check. Yes? Ready? Are you ready? I don't think you're ready. Because you're going to be like, oh, no, oh, no. Okay, so in order for our, to know if our worship is dysfunctional, we have to check if it's functional. Yeah? And I'm going to give you some practical tips about that in a minute. So what we need to know is a sign of dysfunctional relationships, okay? And I'm speaking a lot now from a work perspective as well, but I'm speaking to people, some of whom I know are Christians. Some of you might not be, but I'm speaking to Christians. The thing, if you are in a position where you are constantly blaming other people for everything that is happening to you, that is a dysfunction of worship. Right? Yeah? If you are constantly in a position where you are comparing yourself unfavorably to somebody else or somebody else unfavorably to you, that is a dysfunction of worship. Okay? So we know. So there we go. All right? So constantly blaming others is a dysfunction of worship. Constantly comparing is a dysfunction of worship. And to culminate on that, victimizing yourself for everything that has happened to you is a dysfunction of worship. Okay? So constantly victimizing yourself and expecting a free pass from God and other people because of your victimization is a dysfunction of worship. So expecting people to lower the standards bar for you because of the stuff that has happened to you and no more should possibly ever be expected of you because of the stuff that's happened to you, that is a dysfunction of worship. Do you understand? Because Christ died to set you free. So if we are in a church or in a plus group or speaking with anybody who is saved, we can challenge them on that in a loving and kind way to say, that is not the hierarchy, that is not the way it should be. If we're with people who are non-Christians, we can still challenge that view. My life, my working life is all about challenging that view. Okay? Through something, we do lots of stuff. And I'll move on to a little bit of it in a minute, if that's okay. Explain what I do for a living. But to check. So here's the first thing I want us to check. This is the health check. Where is our locus of control? And we go, where's our locust? Where's our locust of control? Is that a controlling locust? That, <laughs> what does it do? No, your locus of control. Can we put the verse from 2 Samuel up? 2 Samuel 24, 24, okay? But we'll come to that in a minute. Your locus of control is either internal or external. It is what drives you. It is what motivates you. If a locus of control is external, it means that is everything out there that drives you emotionally and internally. Yeah? So everything else that is outside of you and beyond your control has control of you. It is what motivates you. If your locus of control is internal, it is fixed within and you have self-control. Yeah? So I can say when somebody says something that is maybe a bit cutting or looks at me a funny way, even if they don't mean to hurt me, if I have an internal locus of control, I am able to say, i.e. for Christians, it's the Holy Spirit, tick. So then I can say, do you know what? It doesn't matter. God be praised, it doesn't matter. That right there is an act of worship. When you let that go. If your locus of control is external, your emotions will be blown and battered upon a sea of chaos and insecurity and psychodrama for the rest of your lives. 
Because if everything else is controlling you, rather than the spirit of the living God, that is a dysfunction of worship. So up here, we second Samuel, thinking, why has she chosen that? But this is about King David, okay? And the Ark of the Covenant has been brought from exile. And he wants to set up a temple for it. And then somebody had tripped over and touched it and dropped down dead. Right? This is how special the ark was. And they wanted to put it in a special place. It was on a threshing room floor. And King David says, do you know what? I'll sort this out. But the man who owned the threshing room floor was like, oh, whoa, 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 whoa. No, I'll pay for it. I own it. Okay? And this is where we go. But the king replied to Arauna, no, I insist on paying you for it. I will not sacrifice to the Lord my God burnt offerings that cost me nothing. So David bought the threshing floor and the oxen and paid 50 shekels of silver for them. You see, the thing is, it's really, 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 really easy to defer to somebody else as your locus of control. And even if that person seems godly and is doing the godly thing, if it's not your locus of control, if it's not the Holy Spirit speaking to you, telling you to do it, you're deferring to somebody else, you're controlled by somebody else. You see, we're not talking about rules and regulations here. The law of the land still stands. Don't murder. It's naughty. Okay? <laughs> Don't do it. So things like that still very much stand. The Ten Commandments, Jesus came to fulfill them. But you know what I'm saying here? Is when you're in a situation and God is telling you specifically to do something, but you defer that specific to somebody else. Because, do you know what? You might look a bit difficult. You might look like you're a bit ungrateful. You might look like you're speaking out of turn. You might look, they might not like it. You know, they can be a bit touchy. Don't do it. Oh, now, listen, they need to feel valued and loved. Let them do it. If you're deferring to that side of yourself, you're not driven by the Holy Spirit. Your locus of control is external instead of internal. Got it? So the first health check in our worship dysfunction list, if there is such a thing, let's make one. Let's write one after, right? Is where is your locus of control? Because Jesus died to set us free. Timothy tells us he also gives us a sound mind. But we know that the Holy Spirit, the power that got Jesus up from the grave now resides in us as he ascended to heaven. Amen? So we know that our locus of control as saints, as those, as children of God, should be within us in the form of the Holy Spirit. So if you're controlled by anything other than the Holy Spirit, it's a dysfunction of worship. I include eating in that. I include substance misuse in that. I include gossip in that. I include anything that chips away at the glory of God because we need it more than we need the Holy Spirit in that. Where is our locus of control? And none of this is meant to be like sort of pointing the finger and judgmenty and challenging this morning. This is what it is. It's a health checklist. If you think something isn't, oh, I'm a bit off on that, put it right. Put it right. There's no hoops to jump through. God's waiting. He's like, ah, babes, you know how long I've been waiting for you to sort that bit out? Come on in. Come on in. This is what Jesus died for. Come with me. The second thing, we're going to leave that verse up there. We're not finished with King David. All right? The second thing we need to check is where are our worship resources? Again, we're not just talking about singing. Our life is an act of worship. Where are our resources? Are they internal or are they external? Maybe it's the same thing. Maybe it's not. But here, when we talk about the internal and external resources, our sinful nature is constantly at war. Constantly at war with the Holy Spirit within us because the flesh wants what it wants yes so again 
if we are being controlled by anything other than the Holy Spirit in terms of our worship resources, we need to question our worship. It is a dysfunctional worship because Jesus tells us, you have been given everything you need for holy living. Yeah? I'm not making this up. It's in the Bible. Read it. Read it. It's a revelation. I tell you. When you read this, like, oh, it does say that in there. I thought someone was having me on, quite frankly. It's in there. You have been given everything you need for holy living. So if the choices we are making from the Holy Spirit challenge the sinful nature, that's functional worship. Yeah? Then you know you're doing it right. And if the world around you, and by the world around you, I mean your world around you, responds negatively to the fact that you're challenging the sinful nature, gold star from Jesus. Right? Because in a spirit of love and empathy and compassion and understanding, we are called for holy living in this world. The biggest, and I do say this advisedly, I think the biggest trick the devil has played is telling people in the modern world that sin doesn't matter. You with me? That sin doesn't matter. Have, try out your partner before you marry them. Because that's important. Jesus isn't looking for marriage. He's looking for commitment. That's what I've been told a couple of weeks ago. You're like, whoa, 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 whoa. Please find that verse for me. Please find that verse for me. You know, I can drink and do this. This is totally, if somebody has to say to you, actually, I find that my lifestyle is actually completely compatible with the gospel, actually, of Jesus Christ. If somebody's in that place of justification, if we are in that place of justifying ourselves, you know what? That's a dysfunction of worship. Where are our worship resources? Are they internal or external? Am I looking to you to constantly affirm me? That's a dysfunction of worship. Because my affirmation comes from God above. Am I looking for you to love me because I feel broken and unloved? That's a dysfunction of worship. This is hard stuff and I know it, but you know what? God is waiting. Jesus died for this. He's like, you don't need to feel like that anymore. Just locate me where I'm meant to be, which is in your heart, at the center of everything. And everything comes and pours from that. Where are your worship resources? Because if they're external, you will always feel shortchanged and disappointed. Because they'll never be enough. They'll never be enough. The only things that satisfies is Christ. Isn't it? The only thing, and you know what, that prayer we desperately want answered, that situation we desperately want resolved, he hasn't forgotten about it. He is not neglectful. He is not careless with his love for us. He sees and he knows and he holds us until such a time comes to pass. Amen? But that in those times, it is essential that our resources and locus of control is fixed entirely on Jesus and the Holy Spirit and not on the world around us. For if I lean on the world around me, I will crumble. I dare not trust a sweeter frame, but wholly trust in Jesus' name. The, th the praise of the Lord is continually on my lips, it says in Hebrews. In the sun and in the storm. Why? Because of all he's done for me. My worship is in him alone. And that's where we come to. If you're worshipping anything other than Jesus, it's a dysfunction of worship. How you look in a bikini? Going on holiday? The next promotion? What am I going to eat? Have I got enough money? All of that. All of that. Listen, we're meant to be good stewards. End of. Okay? But if that is governing us and ticking us over and is actually motivating and inspiring us and not Jesus, it's a dysfunction of worship. Okay? Yay! 
Yay! Everyone all right with this? Come on! Yay! Happy days. Next one. Can we put up, I think, I think I've got a verse from John 15, 1 in this. These are very famous verses, aren't they? All these verses I'm giving you today, freely available in the Bible. <laughs> freely available for you to peruse at your pleasure. For that is part of worship as well. When you love someone, you get to know them. When you love someone, you get to know their likes and dislikes. When you love someone, you want to know what they think about you. He tells you all of that in here. How attached are we? How attached are we to Jesus? How attached are we to God? That's the next thing. If our attachments are to other things, it is a dysfunction of worship. If my attachment is in the way I look, if my attachment is an over-reliance on food, if my attachment is on substance misuse, if my attachment is on other people, if my attachment is on serving in church to the detriment of my relationship with God, that's a dysfunction of worship. You see, all of this, you can be doing the right things in the right place and it's still a dysfunction of worship. Because what you found is this, and this is lovely because you are all lovely, but it's no substitute for God himself in the form of Jesus Christ. Absolutely none. So when he says, I am the vine and my father is the gardener, do you know what? You stay in me, it goes on to say. I could put the whole verse up and we could read it all, but you know what? You go back and read it all later. Because it's amazing. And what we have, see, I work with young people. And the agenda that we work to lately, Public Health Wales did a huge piece of research, and it's called ACEs. I don't know if some of you might have heard of it. Adverse childhood events. And those are the things that happen to somebody under the age of 18 that have a direct, a direct correlation and impact on their ability to function fully as an adult. Now, they include things like parental incarceration, parental separation, substance misuse, mental health, bereavement, all of these things if a child domestic violence if a child is exposed the younger a child is exposed to those dysfunctional things the harder it is for them to live a fully functional life in the in the future are you with me so what we get now this is new thinking go on to public health wales website they've done it in relation to a lot of people it is groundbreaking study this is how we work now Okay, And in light of that, we're being trained to be what we call trauma-responsive practitioners. So we work with young people, not from a place of, I have had in my professional career, you'd be surprised how many parents I have, come and go, fix them, we're fine. Fix them, there's nothing wrong with us. There's nothing wrong with us. Don't look at our family, fix them, we can crack on. That child might have never heard one kind word. Serious? This is what we work with. This is what is out there day in, day out. So when we look at the naughty children, we now, after systemic training, look and see, I want to meet the parents. I want to meet the grandparents. I want to see what happened here to get us to this point. There's a school in Llanelli. This is brilliant. This is an aside. They're actually even training the dinner ladies to be trauma responsive because dinner ladies shout at you in the queue. We had dinner ladies who shouted at us in the queue. God bless dinner ladies. Big portions, come on, right? But if you were a child that all you hear is shouting day in, day out, and you're even being shouted when you're queuing for your dinner, no child needs that. Six-year-olds don't need that. Even if they're being naughty, they don't need that. So we need to have a heart of compassion that looks of all at this and says, how attached are we? So instead of looking at people and comparing and thinking, well, I'm way more attached than them, our life, our world, our compassion, our empathy should be entirely focused on having other people know Jesus. And that depends on how attached we are to the vine. 
because he can overcome everything. If that was your background, all those aces, I know we've got a name for it now. We've got an acronym for it now. That's how special we are, right? But if that was your life, I am so sorry that happened to you. But Jesus Christ is bigger. He is bigger. And whatever happened to you before the age of 18, I am sorry that happened to you. But you know what? After the age of 18, you're an adult. You're an adult. And if you're in church and you love Jesus and you're around people who love you, depend on them to help you get through this. That's where we come back to that it's always somebody else's fault. I'm always the victim. I'll never be like them. Do you see how insidious those things are? Because they're rooted in acts that were totally dysfunctional and abusive. And we end up with adults who can't live as adults. They can, but there's no resilience or an endeavour to change. Because they can't, they've never had anything else modelled to them. So the Church of Jesus Christ needs to back its ideas up, quite frankly, and live in the freedom that Jesus Christ died for so that we can help these people. You with me? You see, deviant attachments exist. We call them deviant attachments in the biz. And that means is, you look... No, you know, like we've got a, in Armourford at the moment, the BMX bandits, I call them. They hate that. They come on a Friday night. But they come to youth on a Friday night. They might not walk through the door, but they're in the car park. Why? Because this is a safe place. What, 20 kids on bikes causing havoc in Armourford? Don't tell me that one of them hasn't list, can't list all the aces I just described to you. And they come here on a Friday night and they're in our car park. We need to be praying for them. We need to be praying for them. Yes, they cause havoc. Yes, there needs to be boundaries. Yes, there needs to be consequences. But we need to engage our compassion and say, in that group, there are people who need Jesus. There are parents who need Jesus. You see, you think, how can they all be together? Deviant attachments work thus. Okay? You in your flesh will always, if you are dysregulated emotionally, look for someone who is worse than you to align with because then you're not as bad as them. That's how it works. And let me tell you, they find each other like pins and magnets. They find each other like pins and magnets. I could, we've got young people who have moved from Caffilly in the care system into the, into the furthest reaches of Carmarthenshire. There are no buses where they put these people. They will find the wrong one in that area, like they're magnetically drawn to them. Why? Because everybody needs connection. Everybody needs community. And if you are so guilt-ridden and broken and ashamed you can't be around functional people because that's too difficult. You will find someone who's as bad as, if not a bit worse than you, because that will make you feel better. Do you understand how it works now? When you see them all together in a group causing mayhem, yes, it's easy just to see a group of kids on bikes causing mayhem, but they are together because they understand each other. They are together because nobody else is there for them. You know what? Some of us know the ringleader of that gang, don't we? And you know what? He's a broken child. And I'm not making excuses for him. I'm not woolly-minded, bleeding-heart liberal. Okay? But he's a broken child. And we need to be praying for them. They come to our door every Friday night. Every, they might not come in, but they come to our door every Friday night because they see friendly faces and warm hearts and a spirit of compassion, not judgment. Deviant attachments. If you are going to someone because they make you feel better about your psychodrama and rubbish, that is an act of dysfunctional worship. We are called to be salt and light in a situation. Yeah. Understand? We are the salt and light. And even though we're going through our own stuff sometimes, often, often, we're all going through our own stuff. 
you hand that to Jesus here, and you say, I'm holding that with an open hand, Jesus, and you can take that of the, care of that while I'm here doing your work, taking care of this. And you know what? That's a sacrificial act of worship, and Jesus goes, got you covered. Yeah? When you are anxious about doing something and you push through that anxiety to do it for Jesus, Jesus goes, I got you covered. Because that's a sacrificial act of worship. When you're giving till it hurts, in a functional act of worship, Jesus has got you covered. Do you understand? I know it's lots of words and lots of things. The trauma recovery model is what we're all working to now. This is where we are. We are recognizing that people aren't bad. They're sad. And we're talking about generations of violence coming down and neglect. And let's be the generation that breaks that cycle. Let's be the generation that breaks that cycle. Let's be a town whose child protection and in-care numbers dwindle because people are whole and restored. Yeah? Let's be a where elderly people don't require so much social care from the government because there's people around them doing it. Yes! Let's do this. See, this is the call upon us. This is what we can do. The bottom line, and this is not a Christian model, okay? People in Park Prison came up along with Maslow's hierarchy of needs, a model for trauma recovery. You know what the baseline is? The very bottom of the triangle, the basis, yeah? Foundational beliefs and the hope of redeemability. Actual words in the model, that there is foundational beliefs that we instill into people based on redeemability. Well, I think that's marvelous that they've caught up with what Jesus says. That is a, so pray for services, pray for nurses, pray for teachers, pray for youth workers, pray for churches, because what we believe is foundational beliefs that lead to redeemability. Amen. Yes. Oh, great. Listen, we're going to move on. Now, I've been ages, but there was a microphone incident, so I can go on a bit longer. There we go. So here we are. Functional worship. Some tips for functional worship, yes? One, be systematic. Be systematic in your worship, right? Be available. Be prepared. Be expectant. When you walk into a situation, don't be apologetic about it. Even though anxiety might be gripping you, walk in there with your feet shoed in the readiness and preparation of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Be fully kitted up in your armor and approach that saying, I don't know what you've got for me here today, God, but I am going in with you. Let's approach our lives from a place. Let's speak to our lives and other people's lives from a position of victory. Yeah? That's what the vine is. Because Jesus is the vine. Are you getting this? Are you? Come on now. It's been a long, hot morning, and we're nearly there. Are you getting this? I will hit you if you're not. I won't hit you. I won't. I won't. There are laws that govern me. But you see, so he is the vine, and we stay in him. In him. Again, it's that locus of control. So when you are worshipping in a functional way, you are ready. Your life is one of preparation. Speak to your life from a position of victory. Yes? Speak to your world from a position of victory. And victory looks like love and compassion and empathy and joy and peace and self-control and kindness. Let's think of Pastor Phil's message last week. Ken, <laughs> that's how you speak to your world. That's, and that position is victory in Jesus Christ. Right? So be systematic. Second one, be thorough. Can we have the verse from Romans up, Lee? 
Be thorough in your worship. Don't leave anything to chance. Don't be half-hearted. Have an all-in attitude. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, because without that, where are we? Nothing. To offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God, this is your true and proper worship. He wants every bit of you. He wants every bit of us. So be an all-in worshipper. That includes singing, right, and worshipping in church. You know, that includes engaging that bit of you that really doesn't want to do it. Worship is an act of will, my friends. An act of will. In every second and every day of our lives, our worship is an act of will. So let's be thorough. We are called to be a transformed people with renewed minds. Yes, that's what we are. That's what we've been set free for. We are transformed people with renewed minds, and we offer that to other people. So old habits, old ways of thinking, intrusive thoughts, negative automatic thoughts, old patterns of behavior are now gone when you are all in for Jesus. And people might not like it. That's their problem, not yours. Right? Bluntly speaking, you don't like me, you're mad, but there we go. That's up to you. That's up to you. I might not be your cup of tea, and that's absolutely fine. That's absolutely fine. But what that won't do is change what I am and who I love and what I'm based on and how I do my life. You might not like my values. You might not like the way I live my life. That is not my business. It is not my concern. I offer my life as a living sacrifice to Jesus. He can judge me. Nobody else can. So I will carry on living for him. And you know what? At the end of the day, if the worst a person can do is call you a few names, what's that in the grand scheme of things? People roll their eyes when you talk. What's that in the grand scheme of things? People think you're a bit nuts because you love Jesus. What is that in the grand scheme of things? At the end of the day, if that's all they've got, that's all they've got. For me, there's way more at stake. So I'll just keep on doing what I'm doing. Like it all on bit. There you go. So be thorough. Yes? Okay. Be exact. Now, what I mean by that is choose your words carefully. Choose your thoughts carefully. Choose your actions carefully. Let's not leave anything to chance. By that I mean is, of course, there's impulsivity and spontaneity and things that happen. But our lives are meant to be ordered. They're not meant to be random and chaotic. Does that make sense? Jesus has come with a spirit of order. So our lives can be orderly and lived in an orderly fashion. It's very hard to speak into somebody's dysfunctional life if they're looking at yours going, but you are a mess. But you were here last week slagging that same person off. And now you're telling me to give them a chance. Do you see what I mean? People have long memories and old sins can cast long shadows, can't they? But Jesus Christ died to free us from all of that. So we are exact in the way we do our lives. Worship, I'm afraid to tell you, is an exact science. Yeah? Lots of people, lots of things are nebulous, lots of things are variable. There are vagaries to all things, not the worship of God. You worship the Lord God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. And you love your neighbor as you love yourself. It is an exact science. 
And that is why it is absolutely critical that we grasp on to everything that Jesus wants for us. He set us free to be functioning human beings. So to be exact in the way we live, to be exact in the storm and the sun. Do you know what praise is? Praise is really easy when things are going well. When my dog is good, I praise her. Yeah, I'm not comparing us to dogs. Ah, get that in. Right, when my dog is good, I praise her. When somebody does something we like, we praise them. Why? Because usually the good thing they've done benefits us in some way. That is not a sacrifice of praise. That is not a sacrifice of worship. When we can do that when things are going wrong with us, when we can do that when things, when the chips are down, when we can do that when people have despitefully used us, when we can do that when my mind is full of fog, because life can be so difficult. When my life is such a mess, when I can still sacrificially praise God for everything he's done for me in the storm and in the sun, that, my friends, is an act of living worship. That is when God says, oh, I love you so much. Come on, can you see? Can you see all I have for you? It isn't about waiting until God has done the big thing for us. It's about praising him before he gets there. Because he's got your blessing in the palm of his hands. He's got your blessing. He hasn't forgotten your prayers. Matthew Henry puts it like this in his Concordance of the Bible. For the prayers of the faithful are filed in heaven and God remembers them. Isn't that beautiful? It's the most beautiful thing I've ever heard. The prayers of the faithful are filed in heaven and God remembers them. He hasn't forgotten you. He hasn't cast you to one side. There is nothing you can do that can separate you from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. He has your blessing in the palm of his hand. He's asking you to praise him in the process. He's asking you to worship him in the sun and in the storm, in the valley and on the mountain. He's asking you for all of that. And the final bit is let's be orderly people. Let's not be so ready to jump into people's drama. Let's not be so ready to, to be jumping into our own drama. Let's be people who have an aspect on their lives which is elevated because of what Jesus Christ has done for us. And when we survey other people's lives, it's not as a viewpoint to say, well, I'm not as bad as them, or I'm not as good as them, I need to work harder. It's from a point of victory and freedom that Christ says, now look at all the other people I've called you to love. Yes, look how much I love you and what I've done for you. Now look at all the other people I've called you, you, to love. So, to sum up, where's our locus of control? Where are our worship resources and how attached are we? And when we're worship, functioning worshipfully, let's be systematic, let's be thorough, let's be exact, and let's be orderly. Can I pray to finish? Is that okay? Lord Jesus, we love you so much. Lord God, I pray here today. For any hearts that are troubled, for any souls that are, that are misfiring because, Lord God, things have crept in and kept us from functioning in a way that we were designed, created and built to function. Lord God, I pray today in your love and mercy, would you come and restore those hearts? Would you come and set minds free? Would you remove the fog that has clouded for too long? ideas about what worship should be and restore to us the joy of our salvation where it is only you and you alone that are worthy to be worshipped and praised. Lord God, I pray for strength and courage 
for people as they go through their daily lives. I pray for clarity of mind, clarity of thought. I pray, Lord, that chains that have been binding people for too long, they are released in Jesus' name so that people can worship in a functional way as we were designed to, in your name alone and for your glory alone, Lord God. Amen. Amen. Thank you. This message was brought to you by ABC Church. For more information, please visit our website at www.abclife.org or search for us on Facebook or Twitter. You can also contact us by phone on 01269 596000.